0: Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Today, we're going on a journey beyond the doors of the mind. And what may be find there? Or rather, what may find us? Indeed, what journeys beyond the mind of doors will dreams decide? And when the mists recede and the dreams journey, mind doors perception, inchoate chaos reality dreams mind? It's Maelstrom Storytelling on System Mastery. Welcome back, one and all, to System Mastery. I am your host, Jeff, joined as always by my friend, John. Oh, now. Host of the show. Yay! There it is. I just wanted you to earn it.
1: Yeah. Just work for it. Earn that. <laughs> earn that Grab for it. Reach for it. Like that brass ring.
0: <laughs> reach for the stars, my friend. Someday you'll be the host of System Mastery. And so. that day is today. Ooh. And I, and, and I am also the host. Yay. We merely have two. With two hosts. Two identical hosts. As you'll find. <laughs> they walk alike, they talk alike. At times Sometimes they, they even digress alike. I don't remember the third thing that rhymes with awk. <laughs> they they got awk alike. They constantly crave cock alike. Is that, is that what it actually was? Yeah, that's that's it. Haley Mills and Haley
1: Mills in Let's Get Some Dick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're cousins. Identically slutty cousins, as you'll find. <laughs> No one's judging. We think it's great. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, what are we reviewing today, John? (laughs) Why? Sorry, I'm I'm navigating the waters of cough.
1: This fine day, we are doing Maelstrom Gaming. This
0: is... Uh, Maelstrom Storytelling, sir.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. It's Maelstrom Storytelling, which is important.
0: It is. It's very important. And this is by Hubris Games. Now... (laughs) That's a tough thing to choose as a name for yourself. Yeah,
1: also, you could, I mean, you would be forgiven if you thought that maybe this game was called Hubris Games, because Hubris Games is in the same size print as Maelstrom Storytelling. Except Maelstrom is in a harder-to-read font. And Storytelling is actually smaller, which means you might think Maelstrom Storytelling presents Hubris Games, like Hunger Games, but for people who are about to have their downfall because they think too highly of themselves.
0: (laughs) I'll never stop
1: games.
0: (laughs) Nothing could go wrong, (laughs)
1: games.
0: (laughs) Uh, My petard is quite unhoistable, games. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see them try. (laughs) The game. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Maelstrom Games is from, Maelstrom Games, Maelstrom Storytelling is from 1997. Which is going to be important as we begin talking about it, because I feel like... It's the year I graduated from high school, and you're right, John. And I do that's, feel like that. It's an interesting feeling you have, and you're correct. It's a weird feeling mm-hmm. I had in my gut. It's just, it's just a thing. I was like, that's inside. the year that that old man graduated from high school. <laughs> Like, here, did you graduate from high school? Make me f- Go ahead, let me... Let me I f- don't know, like 2000? 2000? Fuck you. Yeah. Except that, act- that can't be actual.
1: No, it is. Oh, it's actual and factual. Oh,
0: son of a bitch. Yeah, you old piece of shit. I, I <laughs> Get out of my, here. I need my sciatica medicine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's important because a lot of the concepts and ideas in this feel like they are ahead of their time. They're a little forward-thinking. They they would fit, like, if this came out now with a few tweaks, this would definitely fit into, like, the current story game
0: culture that we have. Yes, into the modern zeitgeist of gaming. Although, you know, it's not as old it, or as uh, new as you think it is for the most part. Like, Spirit of the Century, for example, which is kind of a proto-fate, came out around, like, I think 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. This is maybe two or three years ahead of its time.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, even then, it's not like uh, Spirit of the Century was immediately like oh this affected everything like it took a while for fate and that idea of like describing your character rather than just having a number Mm -hmm. to really take off that's true yeah i thought well i mean it's a forward
0: thinking game it's a very forward thinking game yeah it thinks forward Mm -hmm. it takes one forward when it thinks (laughs) and when one is forward one is happy (laughs) Ooh, ducklings. <laughs> Too old to be a duckling. Why do I have to be the one who gets the old man line? Why did I set it up this way? Ah, I'm
1: <laughs> you old piece of shit. God damn it. Yeah, I'm going to go ride around and cruise town with my buddies while you stay at home, old man. I mean, that's true. I'm, I'm never going to get old. <laughs>
0: that's true if you dr- if you keep driving the way you do <laughs> yeah you'll,
1: very carefully will die turning my blinker off after i've changed lanes
0: yeah, that's such a young man thing that's it's when a young man's game <laughs> when, you, when you're, you're old off the blinker when you're old like me you'll learn to savor that blinker <laughs> just
1: let it linger let it ride let we everybody like
0: sa- know where you've been mm-hmm. look guys i just came over from that direction <laughs> i'm establishing my roots i'm establishing dominance <laughs> used to be in the center lane pride <laughs> So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Maelstrom Gaming. Maelstrom Storytelling. Motherfucker. Maelstrom Hubris Games Storytelling takes place in the Maelstrom. Mm-hmm. And the
1: Maelstrom is... I actually... Okay. I feel like... Actually, I know that I am going to be more positive about this game than Jeff
0: is. Oh, fuck you, buddy. You'll see, we'll see how happy I can be about this we'll game. We'll see how positive oh, I am. Five out of four stars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see how many positive boners the
0: Joker can make. <laughs> one, as it turns out. One positive boner and one negative boner, and then they touch. <laughs> <laughs> You've been reading my fanfics again, haven't you? <laughs> Stay out of those. You're not mature enough. <laughs> Four matures only. Four extremely matures only. <laughs>
1: Four seniors only.
0: <laughs> uh, your little card, you can also Yeah, see you got. You got to unlock it with your AARP card. But at least you can you can read them while drinking a free small coffee at McDonald's. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. You're the- probably right. Uh, we have different things that set off our, our irritation di- uh, alarms. Yeah, and this one life. did not buzz
1: mine, but it definitely buzzed yours.
0: So in John's case, a lot of the time it's too many made-up sci-fi-style buzzwords. Yeah. Or even fantasy-style buzzwords. Uh, in my case, it's often the opposite, which is where everything in the game is a regular word. See,
1: I, I really appreciate the setting of Maelstrom for not giving in to let's name everything dumb bullshit.
0: It's kind of a mix. Like, you know, they have interesting place names, but then everything is just like the storm rages across the maelstrom near the edge, and sometimes it'll dump you off at the reef, and that, that kind of thing. It's just, it's all just regular names for stuff. Uh, but okay, the setting of the maelstrom, actually, I thought was kind of fun. So before we, we assume I'm going to hate all everything about it, I, I only have minor niggling complaints about this book for the most part. No, let me focus on them. <laughs> <laughs> for about an hour.
1: Yeah, the, the maelstrom itself is a setting that is, like, a large continent that has, uh... A, turds? An, t- t- <sighs> turds? Is it turds? Turds. It has turds. <laughs> <laughs> no, the... I'm trying to think if it's actually surrounded by water, or if it's just on, like, turds. most
0: of it. If it's, like, peninsula. Uh, yeah, it, it's... There are two primary continents... Uh, surrounded on most sides by water. I think I think the idea is that no one knows what's on the farther edges so that you oh, have room to grow.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's a giant desert on, like, the far east side of the continent.
0: The endless sun, as it is known. Yeah. Uh, where the one of the two suns that makes up this setting is always in the sky, and so it's just always a desert there.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it is various things. You've got your plains and mountains and turds, you, your turds. I don't know why you're on turds. What is, what is with this? What are you doing here? What's the bit we're going for? We're going for turd bits. Is that what you want? You want a big bag of turd bits? Why are you
0: calling out my bits, John? Just, huh? let, just let the bit happen organically. Uh, you want, you want me to get a bag of turd bits for you? <laughs> what of those? Like a Tim Hortons thing, a turd Hortons thing, I guess. Yeah, it's turd, turd Hortons. <laughs> it's that dog thong okay we got there that's all i wanted you to say was turd hortons
1: (laughs) there we go okay uh and then
0: there's a giant amount of sea out there and split up into two primary seas there's the south seas which are more of a piracy and kind of islander vibe and the north sea which is more of like an arctic and kind of mystery and yeah
1: that's uh, where you get your like barbarian stuff and all your cold stuff and frozen
0: cities and at the mountains of madness references and
1: yeah so you get anything that's cold based up top and anything that's like caribbean based down bottom
0: exactly you keep your hot side hot and your cold side cold yeah Mm -hmm. and then jason alexander comes
1: dancing (laughs) through the maelstrom
0: (laughs) i wish that was what happened well you never know what will happen in the maelstrom that's true. He might just not know who he is. Yeah, Jason
1: Alexander comes dancing out of the storm and is like, hey, for some reason I've got this vision of
0: a McDLT in my head. I don't even know what it is. But I do know it keeps the hot side hot and the cold side cold, and it will not age well because it's made of styrofoam. <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. Anyway, it's a it's a it's two primary megacontinents split up into various territories that different types of adventure could happen in. Uh, sometimes they're connected by a land bridge, sometimes they are not. And there are two primary oceans, which are also harbingers of different sorts of adventure. Uh, the reason I'm saying that sometimes there's a land bridge and sometimes there isn't is really the core kind of element and philosophy of this, of this setting, which is that uh, everything is constantly changing just outside your field of vision.
1: Basically, uh, the maelstrom refers to the flux of this world. And everyone keeps trying to play it pedantically.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, They've got it in Monty Python for some reason. (laughs) People are doing the weed flux. It's just there's there's too many fluxes. And you're like, who's buying all these fluxes? (laughs) It's Maelstrom. Oh, it must be Maelstrom. Yeah. Because personally, I give no flux about it at all. uh, well, (laughs) well, uh, (laughs) We'll be here all week.
1: Unfortunately. So... The maelstrom goes around and changes things in the world. Now, sometimes it can be a little change. So it'll be like, oh, those those mountains were like 25 miles farther away, and now I'm much closer. Mm -hmm. Or it could be I was in the North Sea, and now all of a sudden I'm in the South
0: Sea. Yeah, although that's increasingly and vanishingly rare. But for the most part, it's things change, but they don't change certain aspects of their fundamental nature. Like, if you live in a small village... And you look off to the west and you see mountains. There's usually mountains over there, but sometimes they're different kinds of mountains. Yeah, you might have like some
1: rolling hills, and then you might have giant peaks, and Mm -hmm. it just sort of depends. But it really also depends on one of the key aspects of the game, which is affinities, because certain places will have affinities for things. So if your village has an affinity for there are mountains to the west, Mm -hmm. then no matter what shifts happen... You'll still have something to the west.
0: Yeah, like ninety nine percent of the time, there are mountains to the west. And they never use the term "always" in the book. They, it's 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 just almost always.
1: Yeah, you have an affinity for that happening. Like yeah. there are one of the canon things in the book is there are these two towns that have an affinity for each other, and they'll shift around, and every few like years they'll pop up back next to each other. And it's always the same like place when they pop up next to each other. And when it happens, uh, both cities have a big festival. They do a big thing because a lot of them intermarry between. So it's an opportunity to like see their families on either side.
0: Yeah, and all, all, all the like, people from one city go over to the other city because it has the good Denny's in it. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But everyone from the other city goes over to that city because it's got the turd
0: Hortons. <laughs> you gotta get that turd Hortons. Let me get some turd bits I and some uh, turd bits and the glass of hot turds, please. <laughs> Thanks. Uh huh. I didn't th- try very hard on that one, but I think it still works. <laughs> you <worked>.
1: did not. <laughs> That's the real, real low energy bit. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, the idea behind the maelstrom is things are ever shifting, and one of the only ways you can actually get where you're going is the roads of the ancient empire.
0: Yeah, because roads have an affinity towards roads. So this is kind of a neat... When when I was reading how this all kind of works, it just kept putting into my mind like designing like a hex board game because it was like, okay, roads don't usually just... Shift out of existence yeah, halfway you won't along be, the road, like
1: walking along a road, and then all of a sudden it dead ends into a forest.
0: Yeah, or like into a wall that's got a picture of a tunnel with with the road continuing <laughs> painted on it, and then you walk right into that. The damn road runner got you again. That doesn't happen. No. Uh, instead, roads can connect when you're putting down tiles in this world, so to speak. If there's a road somewhere, you connect it to a tile that also has a road on it. The road may not go where you were expecting in the first place, but Usu- it will. You will normally be on a road.
1: Well, usually there's certain roads that are from the ancient empire that has crumbled and is no more. Mm-hmm. And those roads are basically mappable, but even then the actual travel time can change. So it would be like, if I go out on this road, eventually I will hit this city. Now it might be a day's travel. It might be, might be six days travel. I don't know, but the road will eventually get me there.
0: Yeah, and legend tells that there will be an in and out on the left as you make your way <laughs> along. But sometimes it, there's just a friendlies. Yeah, but if you stop at the in and out
1: then when you get back on the road, you're going to be completely somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, no, I'm in like Bakersfield or some shit. Oh.
0: <laughs> Crap. <laughs> that's a haunted that's a cursed in and out.
1: The cursed in and out.
0: Like if I'm on my way somewhere good, it connects me to Bakersfield. Ooh, that's Ooh, baby no. no. Don't you do that to me in and out. How dare you in and out? You you connect me to that weird intersection of Button Kilo and uh, Buttonwillow and McKittrick. Heck yeah. So I know I'm on my way to the Bay Area. Uh California stuff. That's only California, st- and not just California stuff. But for people who have driven from San Diego to the Bay Area, yeah, that is the Five.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you gone from Southern California to the Bay on the Five? You know, Button Willow McKittrick. Yeah, because there's nothing else to know. It's my, it's my Hobbit,
0: <laughs> Button Willow McKittrick. <laughs> that character name literally exists in World of Warcraft. There's a, there's a gnome in one of the cities you can find named Button Willow McKittrick because some World of Warcraft employee had the same experience.
1: Oh well, yeah, I mean. Blizzard Headquarters is in Anaheim, so anytime someone from there was driving up to the Bay Area, they're like, man, Buttonwillow McKittrick is such a great name for, like, a hobbit or a
0: halfling or a gnome.
1: hmm So,
0: uh, the same the thing that's true of roads is also true of a variety of other environmental features. Coastlines tend to stay coastlines.
1: Yeah, usually if you're, like, if you're a city on the coast you will stay on the coast.
0: Yeah, and if you're sailing along a coast, because you know that eventually if you sail on this coast, you'll get somewhere, you don't eventually sail into a part where the coastline ends. Cause yeah, that, you don't just would...
1: sail and then you look over to the side and the coast is clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone.
0: It's just, the, what's here? Wall? <laughs>
1: a wall and there's, there's a tunnel with a road rotor painted on there.
0: <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> uh, and The same thing is also true of... Uh, What's the last one? It's, it, oh, uh, generally oceans uh, follow the stars. They don't yeah. reverse direction.
1: So you can, on open water, again, what might take a day might take six, mm-hmm. but at least you'll be heading in the correct direction if you follow the stars.
0: Well, that, that's, yeah, I appreciate that. That, you know, the, the, ground, the hex grid that I, I picture this world as existing on isn't sometimes just picked up, spun around, and put right back down in the same spot. Yeah. That would have been mean that would have just been a
1: dick move mm-hmm. but it's in it is interesting and i really like it that they're like you know most of the time if you want to stay like you know safe mm, you're going to be on a road mm-hmm. or in a town yeah but even if you're in a town if you stay there for long enough you might if you were like oh i'm just going to stay here for a couple of days and then get back on the road to wherever mm-hmm the road to wherever might not actually be there when you come back out.
0: Yeah. I mean there's probably a road there because there's probably an affinity for a road there, but who knows where it goes? Yeah. The local villagers do because their minds and mindsets tend to shift along with the shifting of the reality of the world.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting setting and it's one of those things where they're like, yeah, if you go out into the wilderness, you're probably just going to get lost and die because you will continue to
0: shift into wilderness from wilderness. Mm-hmm. Wilderness tends to connect to wilderness, and it's extraordinarily difficult to get back out of it. Uh, there are a variety of uh, natural kind of uh, disaster, or, or I guess storm-style effects that are, re- are relevant to this kind of world setting. Uh, for example, horals or hellholes.
1: Yeah, is sort of a weird like bubble that shows up in the world where either like some event is playing out over and over again Mm -hmm. so it'll be like oh I got stuck in a whirl, and I was playing out some event where like a king was trying to like escape his own assassination or something Mm -hmm. and you play some part in it over and over who knows how long you'll be in it you could be there for like six months without realizing it and then eventually
0: it just kind of poops you back out or you die in there
1: yeah it's it's weird Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one really knows, like some people think, oh, it's part of the dream is leaked into the real world. Or some people are like, no, just time was displaced because mm-hmm. it moves like the locations around. So like, oh, I'm sure the maelstrom just moved time around and there's a weird bubble of time over there.
0: That's probably, yeah, That that's pretty much what a lot of people in the game world tend to think but they tend to call them eddies or whorls or hellholes because they're traps, and, and you get a lot of like local legends about them. Like, oh, yeah, I had, I knew a guy who went into one of those and popped out 22 years later, the same age.
1: Yeah, and uh, you also get storms are very important in the maelstrom as those are generally indicators of change. Mm-hmm. There's like an actual for real maelstrom that goes across the land, and if you get stuck in it, That's when big changes happen. Mm -hmm. So, like, it might be that, you know, some distances sort of change a little bit or your town shifts the surrounding area a little bit. But when you get stuck in a storm, shit can go crazy.
0: Yeah. So, like, if you're out doing pirate stuff, you might be running away from storms or diving into them to hide from even greater threats. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, one other thing that 's kind of an interesting natural phenomenon that 's the word I was looking for uh, hey that uh that tends to pop up in this world
1: is John Travolta has a brain tumor that makes him super smart he doesn't sleep
0: anymore he learns Portuguese overnight mm-hmm. One of the natural Michaels that occurs in this word <laughs> world is John Travolta's an angel. <laughs> He smokes, and he loves donuts. I'm really glad you picked that up so fast. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay, so... uh, One of the pulp fictions of this world. (laughs) One of the natural greases found in this world. (laughs) Uh, Is my hair. Yeah, okay, so uh, newcomers. Yes. Uh, So most of this world is human, and there are some other races, and we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, there are a bunch of
1: other weird things in here, but predominantly in the
0: main continent, it's just humans. It's humans. Now, occasionally, and actually fairly commonly, uh, new humans will just suddenly appear, either children or grown up already, just sort of out in the world. Yeah, usually they pop up in some manner of
1: wilderness. Mm Mm-hmm. And just sort of wander out into civilization.
0: Yeah, which is weird because it's hard to wander out into civilization, but they're good at it. Yeah, they they pop up. Usually it'll
1: say like, oh, they wake up in like a field somewhere with no memories. Mm-hmm. And then they just wander out and they'll find the nearest town
0: and be like, hey, what? <laughs> Who am I? Who? What the shit? I've got vague memories, but no proper nouns. Yeah. It's like my entire memory is a Scrabble game. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's. I thought you were going to stop there and say it's like your entire memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I got vague recollections and no proper nouns. <laughs> <laughs> All I can remember is the names of uh, bad John Travolta movies. John, yeah, <laughs> Travolta. One of the natural wild hogs that occurs in this. <laughs> in this uh, state, <laughs> I'll show you my natural wild hog, <laughs> <laughs> John. Who's your favorite? Check count. <laughs>
1: No, no, we're not doing that right now. You got to set it up up better. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm so proud of that. That's mine. I made that one up. Good job. You did it. Thank you. Okay, so anyway, newcomers have no actual memories of their previous lives, and no one's sure where they came from because none of them have any memory of that. Yeah. The book kind of strongly hints and intimates that it should be Earth, and it should be. You know, pick a century on Earth that you'd like. Th- you like the fashion from, but uh, it could be whatever. They're just from somewhere, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And
1: again, there's a bunch of theories that either they come out of the dream again because there's one of the societies is super into the dream.
0: Mm-hmm. They so, they fucking suck. It's just. And- Put that that, out. Stop talking about dreams, you shits.
1: All of their theories are that everything has to do with the dream. Mm. In fact, they're like, oh, this is a dream. Everything's a dream. Yeah. Fuck uh, you.
0: Well, how, co- how convenient that all of the problems... You, you could just be like, it's a dream. Great. Yeah, great philosophy. Dirtbags. Love bags. It.
1: Uh, Turds. But yeah, so... You know, they might be from Earth, they might be from a bunch of parallel Earths, mm-hmm. uh, they could be uh, remnants of the Old Empire that are popping up, mm-hmm. because no one's really sure how the Old Empire
0: blew itself up. Yeah, presumably they dug too deep and too quickly. and Too un- greedily. Cr- too greedily into the Earth, and unleashed a doom without name. Steve. Steve. <laughs> I am the doom without name. Steve. I mean, uh, I have a name. My doom doesn't have a name. Yeah, I,
1: I have a doom without name, but yeah. I'm
0: Steve. Th- that's me. Okay, so anyway, yeah, the Empire might have done something that sent them hurtling forward into the future and stripped them of their very memories and souls.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's very, the old Empire is very Atlantis myth in that they're like, oh, they were super advanced, and they may have actually, like, their destruction might have caused the Maelstrom mm-hmm. to exist. yeah or There's, they might have it might have always been that way but they tamed
0: it while they were around. So basically random humans are popping into this world all the time. Uh there is a single sentence that I don't care for when de- when they're describing the newcomers uh that I just thought I'd mention offhandedly here and that is they tend to have creamy uh skin tones like a uh, like light skin tones or all the way rating into into deep ebony almost as if they were the most natural of people from the most natural of places. And I'm like I don't that that one line I don't know what it's there for, and I'm not sure what it's supposed to tell you. Uh, in that they aren't showing up as, like, green. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess that they're not, but that's kind of assumed because they're humans that are popping up. Well. It's, it's sort of a weird thing. It's like it's saying that the type of people who tend to pop up tend to be more connected to nature somehow. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure why it was there, um, but, it, you know, at least it doesn't. it's not racist the way they put it. They're like, the skin tones range from white to black. So, anyone can show up, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Just no Asian people. <laughs> Sorry, no Mexicans. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they intended. Uh, I just found it a weird one. Because up until that point, I was like, so, just literally any random person can pop up. Yeah. Yeah. And but I guess it's, it's still the case.
1: Yeah, but I think, weirdly, the fact that newcomers are always humans is a thing. Mm-hmm. So the, the,
0: the other thing that's there's another thing that's specific to humans in this setting compared to the other species, which is that they can control the maelstrom in a variety of ways.
1: Uh, the, just for for
0: it, the newcomers. Yeah, oh, OK. The newcomers have kale. <laughs> the newcomers all arrive with a big bushel of kale.
1: Yeah. And they're like, "Ooh, you got to massage it first mm-hmm. and then it's good. Yeah. No, trust a, me. Get
0: the bitter out of it. You
1: you've had kale before, but not like this. Yeah. I w- massage deep tissue kale. <laughs>
0: Truth be told, you can make kale delicious. You just got to cook it into a soup.
1: (laughs) You can make kale delicious. You put it in a garbage can, you have yourself a burger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When do we eat the kale? (laughs) You don't. Oh, okay. I understand that.
1: I put it into my magic food processor, and then it turns into a liquid, and then I dump the liquid down the drain, and I have a burger.
0: Uh, I'm going to make you some Northern, northern bean kale and linguisa soup sometime, and you'll be like, this is pretty good. This is all right.
1: This is all right. It'd be better if this was a burger and there was no kale.
0: Everything would be better if there was a kaleless burger. You can't hold all foods to the standard of a no-kale hamburger.
1: I mean, I can.
0: Some foods should be kale.
1: Some foods should be kale, and that food is nothing, and I should have a burger
0: instead. (laughs) Do you just want a burger? No, I really don't. I'm so full. (laughs) Okay, so newcomers start with kale, which is their primary affinity is to this thing called kale, which is sort of the shifting uh, space between various other affinities, which implies that they don't come from any one, like, setting. Like, when they arrive, they can go to any one of the major cities or or territories of the world and fit in.
1: one of the things that, uh, for these these characters is, uh, I guess in character creation, you have a prime affinity, and that is usually where you're from. Mm -hmm. So if you're from... You know, one of the big cities. You have that, or if you're, you know, normally from one of the islands, you might have an affinity for like the South Sea or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the newcomers, Kale, K A E L, uh, is you basically fit in wherever. So it could be Kyle.
0: Kyle. Yeah, it could, but it isn't. It's Kale. Okay, fair enough. You fuck. Whoa! Huge <laughs> slam on me out of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying it could be Kyle and now I'm a fuck all of a sudden. Yeah, it
1: would it's not Kyle. This isn't like Superman's uncle or something.
0: <laughs> it could be Superman's uncle or something. Or something. All these guys show up on Earth with a well sorry, the maelstrom with an affinity to Superman's uncle or something. Yeah, they all have an affinity to
1: Superman's uncle or something. Mm-hmm. One of those two things. Either Superman's uncle or
0: something. <laughs> Choose one. We call it Kyle. <laughs> Uh Anyway, uh, yeah. So most people show most people on this world have an affinity towards where they're from, and that's their primary affinity, and that's an important part of uh, character design. You want to just get into characters then? Can we start with species and then get into characters? Sure. I feel like that might be the next thing to do. So I mean, there's there are a bunch of weird non-human ones, mm-hmm, uh, but there's not as many as you think, and it's hard to really describe a lot of them because this book's art is. Oh gosh, it's just a disaster.
1: Yeah, most of the art in here is just like some pencil scribblings that you might have in a notebook if you were specifically designing dresses.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like if you're the kind of person that went to college and spent some time being like, maybe someday I'll get into seamstress stuff. or I'll be a fashion designer. Yeah, that's why I have all these drawings of faceless skinny women in in various uh, uh, upscale dresses. And then someday someone bought that old book from you of those and cut it up and made a role playing game around it without connecting the role playing game to it in any way.
1: Yeah. So many of the drawings are like, this is, I guess, a picture of Captain Whoever, except it's a blank faced, just like skinny woman, and they might be wearing like a captain's shirt. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I guess I'll turn this into a captain thing because they're wearing that.
0: Yeah. Ah, this is young wind force. And you look at it, it's just some picture of Balthier, except they couldn't figure out how to draw his face. <laughs> so it's just FF12's Balthier, uh, which is prescient, given that he came out way after 1997. Exactly. But, uh, I like mean... I said, game way ahead of its time. It's so ahead of its time. They knew what Balthier would look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even knew to copy his pretentious sh- uh, pseudo-Elizabethan dialogue. <laughs> uh, I- anyway, um... So yeah, most of the art's just like these weird fashion model designer sketches. Yeah, there's
1: there- a bunch of species that do not get pictures, and I'm very sad, mm-hmm. because one of them
0: I love. Yeah, there's a lot I wanted to learn about these various species. So, taking it from the top, after humans, I'm just going to go in the order that the book presents them by memory, if I can. We start with the Venthi. and the venthy are basically flightless pteranodons. They're lizard-looking people with kind of that head ridge. Uh, they are all... Uh, about a half as tall again as humans, but you wouldn't know it because they're all withered and bent, and they, they bend over and shuffle when they walk, and they are they have very little spirit and very little self-preservation and self-drive because they were bred to be servants.
1: Nah, you're combining two different ones. Am I? Because okay. the venthy are basically just beggars. That. Yeah, well, that part I thought I knew that, but everyone assumes that they have deep wisdom because mm-hmm. they no- normally they'll hang out in the wilderness. Like that's one of the weird things for the Venthi.
0: Yeah, they tend to be little tribe groups. Yeah, and they just hang out in the wilderness in groups of five to a hundred or so, and they beg, and they're they're just sort of pathetic. And they are the, they were pre- originally built probably by the Empire, the Fallen Empire, to be a, a servant underclass, and they don't have any drive beyond that. Well, that's why they're beggars now because they don't want to do anything else. Eh. I mean, I'm not sure which which one you think I'm conflating them with. Are you thinking I'm mixing them up with the Darig or the the, the Saurg, the Nerg, the Derg? Oh, the derg. I don't call them Darig. Well, that's I call them Derg. It's an entirely a matter. Of the, the okay thing is the Darig are desert dwellers who are basically like six foot tall Brachiosauruses. Yeah, uh, which is an adorable concept.
1: I my favorite thing is I'm trying to find the Oh, the Adolans. The Adolands are like weird spider people spider puppies cuz they're like kind of squat and uh furry and they got big eyes and they're very friendly looking but they also have six legs mm-hmm. and i'm like man these guys are great i want a picture of them
0: are they they're Okay, yeah, there's no picture of them. It says they have a torso roughly like a human torso, covered in fur, uh, but instead of having arms and legs at the top and bottom, it's the same size as a human torso. They have six two jointed legs that come out of them, which sounds bad. I mean, like human legs are three jointed, so all I'm hearing is that they have less joints than human legs.
1: Less joints.
0: Um so they probably just go up once and then down once and just terminate in a nub. Yeah, some nubbins. So they got six nubbins on the ground. Uh They live on an island, they live on one tiny island in the middle of the South Sea, are very hard to get to, have nothing to do with anything, and uh, there's no art of them. No. But they sound great. The only thing there's a lot of art of is the krill.
1: Mm -hmm. The krill are lobster people, basically? Yeah, they're basically like shrimp dudes. And they are South Sea slavers? I don't... (sighs) But they're not aggressive about it or anything they're- it's very
0: weird because the description is like oh they're super chill dudes they just love slaving and i'm mm-hmm. like what yeah <laughs> and every description of, of anyone because there's several sidebars in here that are like short stories every time anyone's a slave of the krill the krill doesn't make them don't make them do anything or it's just like ah you're a slave on a krill ship uh the krill just sort of keep you around like a pet yeah they're like "Ah, oh, we just like having folks yeah. like okay that's weird they are again very much bigger than humans they're like seven to eight feet tall uh they but are they
1: are super buffed
0: and and they're mega buff and they have huge pinchers plus four other regular human hands uh and then they have a face that well, the, only a mother could well love. Y- they basically have the face of a water bear, like one big external snoot thing sort of sticking out from underneath the armor yeah uh they they don't have noteworthy eyes or, or uh, like, functional mouth parts or anything, so they're... They got
1: antennae. Mm-hmm.
0: Their language is a mixture of, of clicks and telepathy. They are short-range telepathic with each other.
1: Yeah. They do have, like, a spoken language, but most of the nuance really isn't going
0: to be able to be translated, because... They can just telepathically talk to each other, so it doesn't really matter. The one really good piece of art of them in this book is terrifying, because they're huge, and they attach these giant heavy blades to their pinchers.
1: Yeah, that that picture is great.
0: Yeah, you're like, ah! It's the one really high-quality picture of any of the species, though, so... (laughs) There's another picture of the krill, as drawn by, like, a (laughs) seven-year-old. I don't know what that's doing in there. There's, like, a crayon drawing of the krill in this book.
1: Yeah, some of the art in this is like, oh, someone knew what they were doing. And the most of the rest is someone was just doodling in a notebook,
0: and then we threw it in here. Someone didn't want to release this book with blank spaces in it, is basically what you get the impression from uh, from that. So, okay, Venthi, the the, uh, the servant race. Darig are a quadrupedal race. Uh, there's one drawing of one of their faces, and that's pretty much the only way I was able to picture what they're supposed to be. Because it's described as quadrupedal lizard people from the desert. Yeah, I was just like, wait a minute, are we just like... Gila monsters that are sentient? What's going on? What here? is? What's this situation? But then you get one piece of art, and it's a brontosaurus head or an apatosaurus head, if you want to be pedantic. Uh, wearing and you do, and I, of course I do. I don't know yeah, if anyone else does. Uh, wearing like old-fashioned glasses, like like some Geppetto style glasses, <laughs> uh, and, and it's just its face. So from that one picture, we've been able to establish that they're basically six foot tall, like apatosaurus. They're, they're, That's a real weird image for me. I know, and it's great, though, isn't it? <laughs> just like little tiny... Little baby apatosaurs. L- little baby apatosaurs roaming the desert. <laughs> Their whole body plan, the whole point of apatosaurs, is that they were huge so they could reach the tops of trees, and yet here we see little ones. So yeah, well, guess, there's only little trees in yeah, the no, desert. No, they're, just <laughs> so they're like, ah, I'm going to eat the top of this little shrub. I'm going to eat ow, this... Ow, mm, ow, ow, the, ow. the leaves at the top of the bush are the best. <laughs> uh, they tend to be... Very low-key. They they don't like uh, being... Uh, sl- well, they don't like being slaves is a weird thing to say, but it is one of the things it says about them in the book. Uh, they don't like being roped into being work animals, even though people think that, you know, they're biped- or quadrupedal, they could probably pull things pretty efficiently. Yeah. Uh, and when they show up in human civilizations, they're almost always just one of them in a human town, and they re- regard it as a curiosity. Yeah. Uh, after that, there's the bad guy race, the Shrikes.
1: Yeah, they are assholes they're, fi- a- they're, they're big kind of- ugly humanoid they're kind of fish birds
0: yeah big- their faces are baby the yeah. one picture of it is like oh god damn yeah they got like rotate eyes that can swivel from the side of their head to the front uh and kind of a gross wet beak uh they their skin is covered in a weird oily secretion yeah they, they run around in loincloths and hit people with sticks that can shoot dark lightning
1: yeah, they've got, like,
0: everyone's got, like, a staff with a crystal on the end that can shoot beams, and I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, they're a very weird species. Um, and they hate everyone. They hate everyone. They tend to congregate around cities and so on and just run at the walls of the city like like jerks. Yeah,
1: they're uh, just assholes.
0: They're just assholes. They're just nature's own asshole. John Travolta Nature's stars. own asshole. So, okay, um... They, But the one thing it says is that as, as gross and stupid and, and monstrous as they are, they speak beautifully. Oh, they've got voices like angels. Yeah, it says, uh, against everything else, their voices are truly angelic. Ugh. I'm like, what do they say, though? Oh, they sing. Oh, I'd like... I'm definitely going to come in there and stick my foot up your ass.
1: Oh, no. It's it's their songs. They um, sing songs when they're attacking a city. Oh, so and they're they just beautiful. Like, they just, they're like, oh, I'm Henry thought I am. Henry They I am. Oh, oh, I, I am. Yeah, nothing more just beautiful than that. a bunch of nasty-ass, yellow, oily <laughs> fucking
0: birdfish comes stomping in, singing Henry the Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I was expecting. Good. Maybe something by the Wuzzles.
1: <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, there's also the Kenrotha, which is the everything is a dream race, and it's... Oh, that's right. They're the it's cat people. They're cat people. And you which either is... have full furry cat, mm. where they're like, oh, I look like an anthropomorphic tiger, mm. or you have cat girls, where they're like, I'm a human, but with cat
0: ears and a tail. Which is weird, because towards the end of this book, they clearly bought some full-page black-and-white art from someone who was only willing to draw dog people. <laughs> yeah, and they're <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck it. Eh, yeah, let's put these pictures in here. There's no species of dog people in this book, but... By God, we're gonna have a werewolf fight another werewolf, and sort of a like a you know Egyptian dog head god kind of guy wandering around the desert. the The only other race I can think of off the top of my head is the sowl. Yeah, uh, the sowl are semi quadrupedal, uh, leathery, uh, flying squirrel style people yeah. who live in the high mountains. The mountains. I remember you. In the mountains. Mm. Mm. But you. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing old Warcraft stuff today. (laughs) Old Warcraft. (laughs) That's a preview of what we're doing for Halloween this year. Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, And oddly
1: enough, the Kenratha are the ones who are like super into the dream, but it's the Sowls who believe newcomers are dreamers from another world. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, you were asleep and then you turned into things. Like you just got swept up.
0: Why we need the the impression. opinion of these semi-literate mountain flying squirrel bat people on human newcomers who pop up in the woods. I don't know. Well, but we get it. it. We get it. That's right. We do. And uh, that's
1: basically it. There are what are known as strangers, which are just uh, people who wander out into the wilderness and come back. Changed. Like, they they're like, oh, I've got secret wisdom, but I speak in riddles. Mm. You're like, okay, thanks, dude.
0: Okay, good, good well, job. You did it. Fun. And then there's a uh, there's two other groups. The 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 uh, strangers one are one of the three groups of touched by magic types. Yeah. that are wandering <laughs> mostly mostly humans, but not exclusively. Uh, the first one is the shroud. And the Shroud is basically the fraternal order of wizards who wander the earth being mysterious with, with hooded robes on. And they're there at every big event, just kind of hanging out in the background and being portentous. Yeah, they're the Watchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the Shroud, or the Strangers, as mentioned. And the third one is the least well-defined, the Malatin. Uh The Malotin are basically crazy people who might be spirits that have temporarily taken physical form.
1: Yeah, I mean we didn't really mention it, but there are like ghosts out of the
0: Maelstrom as well. Sure, why not? Why not just throw more crap in here?
1: Yeah, well, I mean they're like, "Oh, there's weird spirits." I don't know if that spirit is actually just the dream of someone or if it's a time or is the dream the spirit of that person? Hey, you know you do that a lot for this, but it's not as bad as like Delirium which actually did that shit.
0: It did this in, it did that in several paragraphs, especially stuff about the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You're fine. I'm not going to keep all doing it. All I'm
1: saying is I'm going to go to bat for this game. Except for the fact that they have the one printing company in this is Hubris Backwards.
0: Yeah, Sirba Press. Yeah. Why don't you stop on by and buy one of their dog bounds?
1: Yeah, they finally figured out how to make uh, books. Mm-hmm. And instead of from trees, it's all like dog skin bound, like dog leather books. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that was bad. Basically, a thing in the ancient times is you would have, like, instead of pages made of paper, you would have actual,
0: like, skin pages. Yeah, because making paper is hard and expensive. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And so instead, we just write on, like, you know, lamb skin.
0: Sure, why not? But in this, bo- in this book, it's dog skin. Yeah. And so they have dog bounds, which are the, uh, the Penny Dreadful novels that are constantly being mentioned in this. Um, uh, just which sort is of- not
1: to be confused with the dog throng.
0: The Dog Throng is a group of South Seas pirates who believe that all humanity in the Maelstrom is actually from the North Star.
1: Well, all um, newcomers—they're all newcomers—are the Dog Throng.
0: Oh, uh, okay, yeah. The, the dog, dog Throng is the organization of primarily newcomer, or newcomers who believe that all newcomers are actually here from Sirius, the Dog Star, uh, and that they're all—they're all bound to go back there someday. Yeah. And when you read through their section, it's not that interesting to read through because it's like, and what do you guys think of the sowl? We think that the Dog Star is where newcomers are from. O- okay, thanks. Well, man. yeah,
1: I mean they have like a paragraph that's them. It's like, what's this guy? Uh, group of newcomers. They think they're from the stars, and they're pirates.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. That's it. Fun times. Yeah, a a plus. Uh, okay, so there's the species. Uh, yeah, there's ghosts out in the wilderness. There's wizards. There's there's so much stuff. Character creation. Character creation is very very simple. You uh, you draw a little sketch of your character. Probably probably w- like without a thing face that points
1: to. Like your dress and talks about its hem and yeah. Oh, this,
0: this part should be made of black vinyl. You want a boxy uh, neckline for uh, maximum gothiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, yeah, you should draw a little picture of your character. Give them a name, a location that they're from. The book goes out of its way to mention that you can play as what the fuck ever. It doesn't. It doesn't care. Yeah. You can play as the humans. You can play as the newcomers. You can play as a sowl. Uh, you can play as a dog. Yeah, you could be a dog. Not you. Ready to be turned into a book. Mm-hmm. It's like, not even like it, it, like, it was like, you can play a uh, Rossiel, which is sort of like intelligent ferret people. It's that al- like a
1: ferret raccoon that yeah. has the ability to speak.
0: Some of them have the ability to speak uh, that are wandering the world. I, I think they just wanted to have cute animal companions. Yeah. Um. But it, then it goes on to be like, also, you could just play as the family dog. We don't care. We don't give a fuck. You can do anything you want. Yeah. Because the whole
1: thing is based around... The descriptors and affinities that you have. Mm-hmm. So, you have a main affinity, and like we mentioned, it's usually wherever you're from, but it can vary. Uh, it might be you have a prime affinity for like magic, or you might have a prime affinity for kale for Kalethos.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kalethos. Yeah. Uh, why not? Right. Yeah, yeah. I've got a prime affinity for Kalethos. After you fought him like three times, and every time he's like, the last time was just a setback. Ha ha. World of Warcraft references, Warcraft, my dude, uh okay, so to make a character, you first choose your prime affinity. uh there are four stats, I forget what they f- officially call them uh they are chaos, which is the last one, actually, so I should go from the top, uh matter, mind, spirit, and chaos yeah and that- i don't I don't remember what they call those four categories. I don't either. Sp- they're, they're stats.
1: They're sta- they're your stats. Who gives a they, shit? they
0: start at zero. Now to raise them, what you need to do is choose descriptors.
1: Yeah, there's there's not really numbers for them. It's just, oh my god, I saw the, <laughs> the picture drawn by Little Pete of some krills. Mm-hmm. Some krills. <laughs> some krills.
0: Yeah. Uh. So to rate, they 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 all start at zero, but really they just start at nothing. Like there's not even a zero there. Uh. When you're building your character, you choose your primary affinity, then you choose two descriptors and each descriptor you choose has to be assigned to one of those four category stats. So, for example, you can choose your descriptors to be things like, quick as a snake, or what it it actually says in there, which is like, quick as a snake on a hot day with an attitude? Yeah. high 1990s! Yeah, you can do, like,
1: a very weird descriptive thing, or you could just be like, uh... Fast. Charismatic. Yeah. Like, that could just be a descriptor you have. Or, you could be like has a smile that makes everyone want to know more. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get as ridiculous as you want with it or as plain as you want.
0: Yeah, I won't I won't go to bat for quick as a snake on a hot day with an attitude. Quick though. as a snake on a hot tin roof. Because is the snake also quick if the day does not have an attitude? Yeah. Is it is it the day that has the attitude or is it the snake that has the attitude?
1: Well, some say it's the snake, but some say it's the day. Some t- I, some,
0: some snakes say it's the you.
1: Some dreams. <laughs> Anyway, the the main thing is you're going to have these four, I guess just stats. I guess I'll just call them stats. I was trying to find what they say, it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put, you have your prime affinity, which just... Gives you automatically a dice to anything you do with that.
0: Yeah, and that means that if you're from the neighborhood of Perkani or whatever, then uh, Perkari, Perkarni, 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 the place where the good beer oh, is from. Perkarni. Yeah, find Perkarni, where the good beer is from.
1: Oh, get the good Percarni.
0: Uh Captain, paste <laughs> sauce. <laughs> Captain Jean Luc <Percarni. laughs> Uh He, if you're from there, then you get like it. Basically, helps you with any time you need to make any kind of uh, action or. Uh, role resolution that involves that neighborhood or things that pertain to that neighborhood.
1: Aspect. That's what the names Ah, are. Aspects.
0: You put descriptors under aspects. So you get two starting descriptors. Uh, You have four aspects, which means at least two of your your aspects are going to start at nothing.
1: Yeah. So no matter what, you're going to be, ooh, basically fucking garbage at the start of this because Mm -hmm. you're only going to have dice to do something Based on how many descriptors are in a thing. And it doesn't, again, really matter
0: what they say. Uh, As long as they say it with inflection. (laughs) The hook. (laughs) Suck it in, suck it in.
1: (laughs) So the the aspects, if you've got, like, say I put two into matter. I'm like, yeah, my dude's beefy and quick. Mm, As a snake. He's beefy as a snake and quick as a day. day. (laughs) Quick as a day. (laughs) And uh, none of the rest of them have anything. But if I'm doing a scene that is based on matter, Mm -hmm. so I'm doing something physical, then I will automatically get all the dice from that stat to roll. Mm -hmm. And in a scene that has multiple people, like if we were... Uh, doing a scene and it was like, oh, you're all trying to run from the Shrike. Yeah. Then it would be a matter scene, but your dice would equal everyone's body put together. So if there were four people and everyone had a one in body, you'd have four dice. Right. Uh, The dice system in this is very interesting to me because it's just you succeed on odd numbers. Mm -hmm. So you can use... Any die you want. You can grab a handful of random dice and roll them, and it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, unless you have a weird die that has an odd number of faces. Which
1: doesn't exist. I think I might have a D7 somewhere. I forget. Eh,
0: I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Mm -hmm. I definitely have a (laughs) D-101. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a a die I have. I've just never shown it to you. Oh, of
1: course. Yeah, it lives in Canada. Oh, yeah, uh, Uh obviously. Uh Uh-huh. It had a flu
0: last time. It's usually too busy with its modeling career to to be around the house. Well,
1: it's a 101-sided die. Obviously, everyone wants to see it. Uh Uh-huh. It's very busy. It's super rare. Normally, when it's in town, all we do is fuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's when I'm unavailable to record the show, John, is usually because I'm fucking this die. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, you can get just a handful of dice, roll them, and any odd face that comes up is uh, a success. Mm -hmm.
0: And any uh, even face that comes up is nothing. It's not a failure. It just doesn't contribute.
1: Yeah. Um, It does have an optional rule. For exploding ones. For ones where it explodes. And then if you roll another one, that explodes. Which means you can adjust the difficulty not just on how difficult the task is like how many successes you need but you could also adjust it by going like all right uh i'm gonna keep the difficulty the same but now you've got to roll on like d10s instead of d6s or if it's easier like here i'll give you d4s to roll right and the game doesn't actually say that it just says that you can use exploding d1s but again doesn't mention like the fact that that's very different depending on what dice you're rolling.
0: I know. Like, you'd think you just just flip coins at that point. Uh, they're D2s.
1: Yeah, and be like, oh, okay, fine. I'm rolling this D2. It's a, it's a D4 that only says one or two on it. Mm-hmm. And here we go. <laughs>
0: uh, just don't roll a backgammon die because you can't succeed with it. Yeah, at all. Yeah, it's impossible. Or, or doubling or, cubes. Don't try it. Yeah, Wait, do, do they have ones on them? Don't don't try and roll a targeting die. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I rolled a scatter die. I didn't get anything. Well, this was a huge
0: mistake. Oh, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but, yes, the uh, game that also has All I rolled was the Quentin Tarantino sex dice. Ah, <laughs> uh, I got exploding feet. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're not playing Heroes Unlimited? <laughs> uh, good. Jokes.
1: Okay, so... So, in addition to that, uh, you have margins of success Mm -hmm. so it's not just enough to if it's like a difficulty two thing so you need at least two successes to do it there's also how many more successes you got gives you a better result
0: yeah there's examples of the uh of the success margins in here that i felt were not well at least one one set was not my favorite thing it was a partial success everyone gets through but someone's wounded Oh no! I'm sorry. Uh, Partial failure. Everyone gets through, but someone slightly wounded. Partial success. Uh, almost everyone gets through. One person is trapped on the other side. What? And I was like, "Well, that's bad. I'd ra- I'd rather take the wound than have one person stuck fighting a bunch of monsters by themselves."
1: Yeah. Well, the the way the game works as well is you do everything in scenes. So there's no point where you're like, "All right, I'm gonna swing at this monster, and then he's gonna swing at me, mm-hmm. and then it's your turn, and you're gonna do whatever." You roll the dice for a scene. So the scene might be running from the Shrike. Yeah. And you would roll, and depending on how the dice came out for numbers of successes and everything like that, you would then describe how the scene plays out. Mm-hmm. So there there really isn't a point where you get to go like, oh, I'm going to try and use my thing to jump over a ravine while this person does
0: whatever, unless you want to do... A, a quick, qu- quick take. Yeah, quick takes are when one person would like to do one thing related to the scene, but not of the scene. Basically, boil down to a sub-scene. Uh, so, for example, if everyone's fighting uh, dramatically, but one person is like, okay, while that's happening, I'll try and quickly pick the lock on the window so we can all jump to safety. Yeah, and... You, you zero in on what they're doing.
1: You do a... a They burn one of the descriptors, and if you burn a descriptor, uh, it can't be used for the rest of the session. Mm-hmm. But... It's not gone. Like, if I burn a descriptor under mind, and we go do a mind scene, I still have the total in mm-hmm. that. I just can't burn that descriptor again. Yeah. So, you start up a new scene, and you'd say, you know, okay, I'm going to pick this lock. And depending on if you succeed or not, that can affect the main scene.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, or And also, depending on how badly they fail out in the main scene, that can affect your sub scene. Yeah. Like, if you fail really badly, well... So, in my aforementioned example, where where someone is trying to pick a lock while a bunch of people fight, if the... the uh, if the fight scene went poorly... If the fight goes extremely poorly, and there's, like, three extra failures, they can take half those failures, rounding, I believe, up, and apply them to, to your... As increases the difficulty, to your sub-scene. Yeah, Removing your successes. It's so
1: much harder to pick this lock when everyone has <laughs> fought
0: past your buddies and are trying to get you. Exactly. Uh, it's a little... It's not completely ungainly because you're not rolling dice very often or very fast, but it can be a little disheartening to be like, "Yes, I picked the lock, and then find out, oh no, I didn't.
1: No, I didn't, because no. these guys fucked my shit up."
0: Yeah, oops. Oh well, oops. All berries. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's an interesting system. The other thing about uh, when you burn a descriptor is it also buys you a, a success on the on the die that would have been rolled there. You no longer have to roll one of the dice; it's just a success.
1: If you burn a descriptor on a scene, you can do that. Yeah. So let's say, again, we've got four dice in body and... Between the two of us, which would indicate that we've probably gained some levels. Oh, yeah, we we definitely gained some levels or both put everything into body because we're idiots. Yeah. But at that point, if we're looking at it we're like, oh, I really need a little more juice for this one, Mm -hmm. you can burn a descriptor as long as you can describe how it's helping you. And it can come from anything. So I could go, oh, we're trying to fight these krill, mm-hmm. but I've got a mind descriptor that says that I'm cunning as a fox. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be like, oh, I come up with a cunning plan for fighting them that's a strategy to help us win. And so then we get to add that die onto our role for that scene, but then I've burned yeah. uh, cunning like a fox. And you're and not I even adding a, that.
0: you're not even adding a die, you're just adding a success. Yeah. You don't have to roll a die, because uh, burning is a, a fairly powerful mechanic. Uh, there are also secondary affinities that you can get your get your hands on. They are usually things like skills or special gifts that your character might have. Uh, they are, I believe, also tied... I'm sorry, they are not tied to any of your aspects. Uh, so you can have things like swordsmanship, or knows a lot about horses, or natural-born healer. Uh, yeah. a, a starting character has, I think, I'm not sure, but I think two yeah. starting secondary affinities... Uh, You can also purchase those for, uh, the XP in this game is called story points. Yep. Uh, Those are also super important when it comes to assembling die pools. Notably, in the book, almost all of the examples present die pool challenges that seem impossible. Um, Yeah, I mean... I don't know if they just maybe didn't get their difficulty quite right, or if they forgot to show examples of what low-level characters need to face. Exactly. The big problem is everyone that faces a
1: challenge in this... Seems like a character that has been around for a while because mm. normally you'd be looking at maybe a small handful of dice. And they're presenting challenges where they're
0: like, all right, the difficulty is six, so you need six successes. And I'm like, I don't even have six dice. What the fuck? I'm nowhere near six dice. Uh, and to make it even scarier, when you first read, like, for example, the first example in the book of how to play the game. Uh, I was like, all right, there's two guys who want to go into, like, a masquerade ball and kind of schmooze for information. Uh, they bo- they, between the two of them, they have four dice in mind sc- uh, uh, scenes. And it's like, oh, wait, are they starting characters? Do they both put both their descriptors into mind or are they just higher level people. I, nope. I, I guess they're just higher level people. Yeah. Um, and then when you read one of the variant rules, it's like, hey, it, it feels silly when things get easier just because more people are trying to help. So, might maybe try the expanding difficulty, where anytime more than one person is involved in a scene, you increase the difficulty of the scene by two for each person involved in it. What? And it's like that. No. That's why would anyone ever try to help anyone else in that situation? Yeah, I can't. Ugh. So there's a couple of missteps in here, but overall, the, the core concept of uh, the the way to play, which is build up a a, a difficulty, uh, whether it's presented as a random role, if you're fighting like actual people who have agency or just a, a static difficulty, if you're trying to like climb a wall or something like that, uh, and then have a representative from the group role for everybody and then finish telling the story uh, instead of, you know, you hit him, you are, are hit by him. Uh, and so on, micro um, kind of like these little micro descriptors of what's happening that makes up normal role playing gameplay. Yeah, in this case, it's kind of you tell the first half of a story, you stop, you build the difficulty, you roll against it, and then you tell the other half of the story. Yeah, uh, which is it's it's interesting. It's an interesting system that I, I don't particularly dislike. I feel like maybe there was some refinement that could have been built into this that's missing.
1: Well, I think the main thing for me is it just starts you so low powered. it really does i mean with only two descriptors and one primary and two secondary affinities i mean even if we are talking about i put both of my descriptors in one thing and i'm doing a situation where like two of my affinities come into play because we're in the town that i'm from and i've i'm a swordsman and i'm using a sword like okay, great, I guess I've got two auto-successes and two dice, so maybe three, and the easy difficulty is two, Mm -hmm. and three, or four is hard, which is just the second step after easy, which I don't know why they went directly from easy to hard instead of, like, easy to normal. Yeah, it goes
0: easy, hard, very hard, extremely hard, impossible. Yeah. Uh... So, after the section on that basic character creation is a section on the magic skills of this game. Uh, there's two kinds. One of them is the natural sciences, and the other is the... Fi- no, the natural arts and the magical... Si- no. Physical <laughs> physical
1: sciences. Physical science and the, nat- physi- the physical challenges and the double
0: dares. <laughs> it's the physical challenges and the double dares and the aggro crag. <laughs> Yeah. The uh... So in order to cast a spell, you have to search around inside the nose of your mind for a flag. Yeah, and once you find it, then you've got to run over to a whipped cream waterfall. Yeah, now, the important thing is that it's easy to find the power of the flag inside of the giant nose, but can you control it enough to land it in the bucket on top of the helmet of your father?
1: <laughs> no, I am a disappointment to my father.
0: <laughs> I have forgotten the bucket helmet of my father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Good reference. <laughs> Thank you. I've never even read those books. I know. I have. <laughs> okay. So, really, it's you have to kind of harness energy from a lo- the local chaos of the storm, uh, and then focus it and send it outward. Spells so,
1: honestly, can- spells are not like, ooh, I do a thing, and it's like I create, oh, whatever. It's mostly just, I shoot
0: energy. So, there's the basic spellcaster can do three things. Uh, they can kind of attempt to read the, the future a little bit, which is the weirdest one. Yeah. They can also shoot a wall of force out from their own chest uh, that has very little uh, kinetic energy when it leaves you, but a lot when it hits anyone else. So you basically fire a wall. Yeah, you just take
1: pure maelstrom en- energy and create a battering
0: ram mm-hmm. that's you know the size of a small portion of a wall and send it at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can do whatever you can think of as long as it's involved shooting a wall of force kind of just in a direction yeah. uh, with no arc to it. They they mention that you can't use it to fire your wall of force over a a nearby wall because it'll never come down. Yeah. It just goes in a straight line. The version that does come down is the third application of magic, uh, Traveling, uh, where you can kind of you and some friends get together and then you push the ground away from you. Uh, and kind of fly into the air, and then you have... The way I interpret it is basically, instead of
1: shooting the wall at someone to deal damage to them, you shoot the wall at yourself, and it just, like, pushes
0: you along. (laughs) They mentioned that. They're like, all right, so if you... For overland travel, you have to, like, kind of stand on something and then use a wall to launch it into the air and also a wall to catch it when it lands. Yeah. So you, And it says you can go as fast as 20 miles an hour. Ooh,
1: which, I mean, it's okay. better
0: than nothing, I guess, but yeah, it's, it's super dangerous. Given that harnessing the energy is, is hard and actually using the application for travel is very hard, you better be fucking good at this. Oh, yeah. Because once you launch yourself into the sky, you're just going to... Well, it, at it, that point, you're like, great,
1: I've got a parachute. You better hope. Or um, you're one of them squirrel people, and you're like, I launch myself into the sky,
0: and then I just glide down. Yeah, except I don't think they can use magic. Um, or the, d- then it goes on to ice, and it's like, hey, if you're like on ice, for example, you can just shoot a wall at yourself and be pushed along the ice by the wall. Yeah, and you I was just like, skid along. I was like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you like sit down in a little sled and then push the ice behind you? Why, why shoot a wall at yourself when you can shoot a wall at... You because just... there's no kinetic force when you shoot it out. I guess that's true. So when you shoot it out, nothing's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You'd have to shoot it at yourself. Well, what if you attached a sail to the front of your sled and, sh- uh, your sled and shot it at the sail? <laughs> See, now what you need to do is, you be in like a little cart mm-hmm. on the ground, mm-hmm. and then in
1: front of you is another little cart attached to you, and you shoot the wall at the cart in front of you, and then it pushes that cart, which the cord is attached to your cart and it just pushes you along the road
0: yeah now you're only going to be able to go in a straight line the second the road curves you're fucked now what, the best thing you can possibly do is instead of having the cart in front of you have it to the side of you connected by a chain uh and then have another wizard in that cart and every time one cart slows down they shoot at the other cart and and push that one forward and then get themselves pulled forward and eventually and then eventually various ground forces will cause one cart to lie behind and they shoot and, and then, what go. you
1: really do mm-hmm. is you get in a cart, and you put a horse in front of it, and then you travel like a regular person and not an idiot. Oh, I wanted to shoot walls at the horse. <laughs> and then you shoot a wall at that horse, and that horse is like, ah, wall! <laughs> I, I hate walls. Oh, no! There's one thing a horse's hate, and it's everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> being alive and everything. I forgot to mention being alive. There's two <laughs> things horses hate. There's two things horses hate. It's everything and also being alive. <laughs> so, that's one of the magics. The other one is basic technology. Uh, like, you can build a magic... Uh, uh, like, an example they give is an oven, and it always cooks everything just right.
1: Yeah, so you can either be a force wall shoot guy, or you can be a tankerer, Because mm-hmm. the other one isn't really magic. It's like, oh, I can create gadgets. It basically,
0: the second one is, what if Leonardo da Vinci shit worked?
1: Yeah, it's, what do you do? I create a weird design for something, and then the fact that I'm
0: in the maelstrom is what makes it work. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's the, the whole second one. It's split up into things that are always working, like a, a pistol that just shoots better than most pistols or, or something that has a, a special effect where you have to burn a descriptor because you, you can build items that have their own descriptors. Yeah. Uh, you have to burn those descriptors and enter quick scenes in order to activate their magical effect if it's something very special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Uh, after that, it breaks down into DM advice and some examples of play, all of which are too hard. Uh, and then my favorite... Well, while you're still trying to grasp this game and its magic system and the kind of the weird setting and so on, they choose instead of continuing to tell you stories about the sowl or include the art or anything, instead to rebuild uh, Verona from Romeo and Juliet in, in 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 this setting. Well, yeah, they they have an entire thing which is like, hey,
1: if you want to put a city or whatever, it's real easy. Just describe some affinities that the city has because everything is based on affinity. So you're mm-hmm. like, all right. This city has an affinity for this and this, and these are the type of people that live there, and you can create whatever setting
0: you want. Yeah. For example, we built Verona from Romeo and Juliet. Here's here's the basic rundown on what Capulets look like. Great. Thanks. Why? I don't know. And then it ends when it's like, uh, also, here's some other NPCs you might find in Verona. Rosalind. And then in parentheses, hey, did you know that there's a book where Romeo and Rosalind hooked up because someone wrote a mashup of, of uh, Romeo and Juliet and... Uh, two Gentlemen of Verona, and I think Much Ado About Nothing. Oh. Uh, and, and, and if you want, here's it's called this, and you can find it there. So here's Rosalind from some other thing. Ugh. I forget. I, I, I don't know my Shakespeare well enough. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I usually know my Shakespeare pretty well, so I feel pretty bad about this. Oh. So my apologies. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm going to say this, because it confused and annoyed the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. They act of burning descriptors for getting extra successes on your thing is called bidding, mm-hmm. and every time the system talks about, like, oh, if you're doing a scene, then you're going to want to do bidding, and I'm like, but I thought I got all of my descriptors as dice, what am I, do I only get to use some? And I was like, oh, you'll burn a descriptor.
0: Do I have to? It's worse than that. It even describes the act of bidding between the two sides as if one side bids more and and it goes back and forth until... And it's
1: like, oh, you're both going to go back and forth until no one bids anymore. And I go... But you have an entire sidebar where NPCs don't have descriptors they can burn.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, the, the way the system works is you just build a dipole and roll it, and it's an automatic dipole. And all, the only thing you can really do as a bid is whether or not you want to burn for auto-successes. Which
1: is the only thing bidding is. It took me like six reads before I finally found the part where it was like, oh yeah, bidding just means do you want to burn a descriptor or not. Yeah. And but- that's it. But it, I kept looking at it going like, where do I bid something?
0: Most NPCs don't have descriptors, but when you get into the examples of play and the like, like little uh, side adventures that they add to the back of the book post Verona, yeah, uh, they do. Like they're like, oh, there's seven krill on this ship that you're trapped on. They have the following stats: matter 4, mind 2, spirit 1. You're like, "God damn, they're all way fucking powerful. What the what's that shit about? I thought this adventure was for starting characters." Oh, also, they all have relevant secondary affinities like uh has weapon and uh big and dangerous. Ugh. Like they'll have three sword sub affinities uh, collectively if you fight them. You're like, "What the Do they need that? They're so good already." Yeah, the the NPC is that they hand out. I'm like, "What?" the fuck? Yeah. Everyone here is so good, and I am so bad. And that adventure was strictly written for newcomers who arrive in slavery on a Krill ship. Yeah. So it was like, you're not going to be high level, you're going to be a chode. You're
1: going to have, at best, a couple of dice.
0: Yeah, so that was not very well thought out. The adventures seem to be, it's like they forgot how bad they made starting characters. Yeah. So, there's a couple, but you know what? These are the kinds of things that we should discuss in the very special segment, Favorites and Least Favorites. Woo! Woo! Da 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 da. I've added a theme song to this.
1: Da 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 da. It's Brooklyn 99 theme song.
0: 99. Anyhow, John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Maelstrom storytelling? I really like the idea of the setting here.
1: I honestly love the shifting setting, the idea that like you could be in a place and it would shift a little bit because it gives you Especially me as a GM, I get very bored being in one place. When I run a game, if I'm running a game and it's like, oh, it it's, all takes place I, in this one city, I'm like, It's uh, always fuck sliders. You
0: can't run not sliders.
1: Oh, I hate, because I hate doing something that's like, all right, everybody's in this town and then you give, th- you come back to town, I'm like, no, fuck this town, I'm going someplace else. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a different town with a slightly different name and maybe whatever. I'm like, I'm changing this bitch. Mm-hmm. So the idea that with a Maelstrom game, you can play a group that's like, what are you? Oh, we all hang out on like some caravan thing and we go town to town and it constantly shifts and we could get caught in weird adventures and sucked into areas where it's like, oh, and now there's a weird thing going on and you've got to escape. But when you escape, you appear in the
0: desert and you're like, oh, neat. Like that's the kind of thing I love yeah. as a GM. Sure. So that's that's kind of fun. I like that. So what is your favorite thing in the book? Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing in the book is the way that scene description works. Uh, it's really innovative for the time period in which the game came out. Uh, I mean, granted, they they have a lot of people they send thanks to that design games very similarly. And in, in, in that time period, like Amber Diceless and theatrics and stuff like that. Uh, but I like scene resolution in this. I like the basic mechanics of it. The thing I specifically like about it is that it's always team-driven. Yeah. Everything is a scene, and everyone in there is contributing. Exactly. And I, I like that a lot. Uh, it, it means that, that uh, you're always contributing, and you're always feeling like you're invested in whatever die roll is happening.
1: Well, yeah, because you don't have a thing where it's like, oh, uh, the rogue wants to sneak somewhere. All of us just sit there with a thumb up our ass while the rogue sneaks in. Because you're like, no, it's all scene based and everyone's in the scene. I mean, granted, it's probably he's probably doing a quick take to do that, but it's still part of a larger scene. Yeah, you could be like, oh, our scene is infiltrate this camp. Mm? We have to use uh, chaos to do it because we're mostly just relying on blind luck. But the fucking person playing a roguish type goes, okay, I'm going to burn my descriptor of like hides in the shadows or whatever. Like a snake. Hides in the snake.
0: <laughs> Hides in the snake like a hot day with an attitude.
1: <laughs> and then I'm going to burn that and do one where I can sneak in, mm-hmm. and then that could affect the scene. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I could burn my descriptor of five teens with attitude. <laughs> well, now they're burned. <laughs> Damn it. I burned five teens. <laughs> you got five burnt teens. Eh, they a regular amount of teens, I suppose. Okay, so uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this game?
1: Uh, the worst thing about this game... It has to be the fact that a starting character is garbage.
0: Uh, Yeah, a starting character is totally trash.
1: And I I hate that. I mean, we always talk about the whole shit farmer thing where you start out in some game and it's like, hey, you don't know how to do anything and you're just a big dumb asshole and everyone's better than you. And for a game that is so narratively driven, Mm -hmm. the fact that they wouldn't allow you to have the power to affect the narrative to start with. Yeah feels really weird mm-hmm. and unfortunate yeah it's kind if of... I was if I was running this game, I would say, oh I'm definitely starting everyone with like at least six descriptors because otherwise you're just nothing,
0: yeah, and probably more secondary affinities because uh, all those things are useful in the terms of not just having some power in the game but also describing what your character is and is like,
1: yeah, what does my character like to do? what are they good at, what are their hobbies, what are they naturally inclined to do mm hmm So, yeah, I would do that. But that's my least favorite thing, the fact that you start out so bad.
0: Yeah, I I could definitely get behind that. And yours? Uh, I'm going to say the magic system isn't as creative as I was hoping it would be. True. Uh, I mean, I'm going to set aside the obvious stuff that we can say about this book. I'm I'm never going to say tone again. I think I'm done with making fun of games for their tone. (laughs) Uh, But this book had some things that that would be normal targets for me. The art in this book is just bad to the point of being hilarious. Yeah, I mean, the art is bad
1: enough... That I'm like, oh, he's just you. You found whatever you could.
0: Uh-huh. It's just they didn't have a budget for art. No, it's pretty obvious that that's what the how this book was written with absolutely no art budget. Yeah, uh, but one person who was working on the book had the ability to draw weird shrimp,
1: and they were like, oh, thank God. Yeah,
0: we'll put them in. the I'm going to make that a
1: prime character in here. Is going to be like this race of krill because mm-hmm. that's what you draw.
0: Yeah, you're good at that. Can we put in a race of, like, stylized S dollar sign looking things? Because everyone knows how to draw those. (laughs) Uh, It's the 90s, right? So everyone knows how to draw that thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can also draw mushrooms doing lip tricks off of uh, skateboards. Weird. Yeah. Should we put them in the game? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah, damn it. (sighs) Obviously, yes. (laughs) Stupid 90s. Okay, so, uh, (laughs) but no, the magic system is... After all the descriptions of how powerful magic is in this world and how mysterious and so on, when you actually get to what a wizard can do in this game, it's shoot a wall, ride a shot wall, or try to read the dreams. Yeah. And and that's and that's and, it. Yeah. The fact that
1: magic in this, because they're like, you harness the power of chaos, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then they're like, and you use it to shoot an invisible wall of force. And what?
0: And that's it. You figured it out, buddy. That, that it's, Would you do that also, in two different ways? If you'd like to do it, it takes at least two scenes. Also, it's so fucking
1: hard. You won't be able to do it. Yeah. Especially as a starting character. If you're like, I'm going to change my primary affinity to magic, and I'm going to have like a secondary affinity of uh, the maelstrom so that I can harness it, and both of my things go into chaos. And
0: You're like, great, you get four dice and two harnesses. Uh, any magic in order to shoot the force wall is a three difficulty ch- uh, uh, attempt just to just to build the energy and then a second attempt to shoot it. Yeah, it's just like oh
1: oh never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's disappointing. I mean, it might you might get away with saying that the thing I'm complaining about is the same as the thing that John's complaining about, but I really wanted more variety to what wizardry could do in this game. Yes, being that
1: you're harnessing chaos, it feels like there should be more to it than just shooting a wall of force. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That's my least favorite thing. Would you? play this game i would actually mm-hmm. uh-huh. this is the type of game where i'm like i could sit down and play this it would be an interesting world you could do some very weird things with it and what you play has a lot of variety i mean like you said the book is like oh you want to play the family dog be the dog you could just go ahead and be like what do you do oh, i play an intelligent bird mm-hmm. and i speak and that's it and no one cares yeah and that's my character
0: yeah because it's just kind of a storybook world so it's the kind of thing that's a board of myth, basically, where, where a myth might start with, a talking bird came to town one day, and he met a weaver. And <laughs> a the, bird? And talking the, to me? And then the weaver wasn't like, holy shit, a talking bird! Instead, he challenged the bird to a weaving contest. Exactly. that's
1: one of those things where you're like, no, everyone's on board with anything that happens. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, which is cool. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say I would agree with that. I would play this game. I'd probably give it a couple of tries.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the type of thing where I could see... Someone that was into this setting, doing a really good job with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, uh, the setting in particular, I feel like has a lot of potential to it. Yeah, there were a couple things I was disappointed about. Uh, notably, is a super minor, but when when you build a newcomer character, the first step is choose what what era of Earth's history you're from. Yeah, the, the, like, I know. gave away the mystery. I know you know, but I'm telling the listeners.
1: Yeah, I, no, I know that you're disappointed in that, but I I still say. I think that's just choose
0: what era of Earth you look like you're from. Uh, we've had this argument already, but sure. My my problem was that is that ninety percent of of uh, newcomers arrive naked. So if you're supposed to be like my character's totally eighties because they're wearing eighties clothes, they're not. They're, they're probably going to show up naked.
1: Well, they can show up with clothes on. It no matter. You can
0: be the one special, the the one intense. Yeah, special you're the ones. person who
1: comes out yeah. wearing like jinkos and a mesh shirt. I've got
0: fat jinkos. <laughs> You just show up ready for a rave, and everyone's like, what's your deal? I I don't know. Did my cat in the hat top hat come through? I I hope so. I feel like I should have that. I have an affinity for it. Where's my dozens of candy necklaces, all of them with pacifiers on them? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, howdy! Did I come loaded to bear with a backpack full of glow sticks? <laughs> I am ready. I'm also—you can tell I'm here to do E because I have so many bottles of water. Because <laughs> I have so much E, <laughs> and also with all this E. <laughs> '90s, hey. hey. I'm in the books from '97. Why not? Yeah. You can also have them show up and ready to ska. <laughs> it up ready to ska. <laughs> I have an affinity for painting checkers on my shoes, <laughs> and also for picking it up. <laughs> yeah, that's my
1: my matter descriptor. Pick it up, <laughs> and my mind descriptor
0: respect. <laughs> uh, I have a chaos descriptor of one step beyond. <laughs> now we got to figure out what the spirit descriptor would be. Madness. Oh yeah, I guess that's fine. <laughs> it's. Uh, I have a spirit description uh, descriptor of a message to you, Rudy's. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we both play this game. Yes, thank you so much for listening, folks. As always, we have been the System Mastery Podcast. You can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com. dot com. You can find us on Twitter,
1: Gmail, Facebook, <laughs> fucking wherever the hell you want to be. We are there. We're. We're everywhere you want to be, <laughs>
0: but most importantly, we're at Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery because that's where you go if you want to get your RSS feed that has all of our shows on it, <clears throat> our Movie Mastery, our Expounded Universe, and our it's, Afterthought.
1: It's also where you go to get all that sweet bonus content,
0: including the bonus content we're about to make for this show. That's right, because you see, every time we review a a, a, a book here on System Mastery, an angel gets its wings. It's true. Mm-hmm. We've given, what, a hundred and some odd angels their wings now? I know, and yet they keep stop not showing up to reward us in any kind of capacity. I they was don't really even hoping. show up to teach me a life lesson. I, uh, yeah, or just to hang out and smoke with me, John Travolta and in uh, <laughs> Michael. Come on! <laughs> so, uh, for a single dollar... Per episode of System Mastery, you can unlock the bonus content for System Mastery, where we make characters in the game we just described, learn a little bit more about the game by actually getting hands-on with it, and always have a fun time. Indeed. Always. They're they're good episodes. They're fun to listen to. If you feel like giving us a little more, then we have levels at 2 and $5 that unlock yet more bonus content.
1: You can get so much more of us talking into microphones if you want it, And why wouldn't you? Who wouldn't? We're so good at this. We're amazing professionals. Mm -hmm. We do this. I'm wearing a full three-piece suit
0: right now. Yeah. I'm wearing a four-piece suit. (laughs) I'm wearing 12 pieces of a suit, all (laughs) of them pants. John's wearing 12 pieces of pants right now. (laughs) 12 pieces of pants. (laughs) John's wearing 12 peed-in pants right now. (laughs) I just can't stop peeing in these pants. (laughs) Well, at a certain point, you really do gum up the zippers and so on. <laughs> are you
1: Are you suggesting that my urine is somehow viscous enough to turn into a gummy like substance that stops the zipper from opening like a glue? Yes. Good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. Good. Okay. I'm glad we are together <laughs> on this. My peed in pants I'm that just have glue pee. <laughs> gloopy.
0: gloopy. Glue pee. I mean, that's what happens when you pee your pants. When you pee in the toilet, it's like a thin stream just hits the toilet and does not mix with the rest of the water around it for a while. It just settles at the bottom like a coiled up yellow worm. (laughs) Ah!
1: I thought it was going to be like an oil and water type of situation, but no. No.
0: Apparently, I am peeing out gummy worms now. (laughs) you You're basically peeing out that stuff you use to start uh, fires. It's like a paste. It looks like toothpaste, kind of. Like a like a clear yellow toothpaste is what you're peeing, effectively. Uh, excellent. You should see a doctor. I am a doctor. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> a Dr. Pepper. John's a Dr. Wouldn't you like to be a Pepper, too? <laughs> is that an old commercial for theirs? Yeah. For them? I had no idea. Hey, look at me. I'm going back to... I think like the 60s or 70s jesus christ god that's old patreon.com slash system for more of whatever the fuck that was <laughs> <laughs> plus the rss feed the, we have the, the best rss feed for system mastery that you can get is the one at patreon because it gets you all of our shows including all of the bonus content you've unlocked at whatever level you're at Heck yeah! Uh, Definitely the one to go to. So, otherwise, like I said, you can find us on Twitter, like John said, because I was busy coughing. You can find us on Facebook, Gmail, Reddit, Twitter, all those fun places. Heck yeah! Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks with more content. Unless you're a bonus content subscriber, then we'll see you in, like, I don't know, a couple minutes. However long it takes you to go get that one. And have a good week!